Welcome to your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. Join your host, Alexandros Megas, and co-host Vincent Byrne, as they walk you through the deepest recesses of the mind and how it operates. They discuss all the reasons why our minds persistently get in the way of our evolution, growth, and our success. But crucially, they also teach you what you can do to change your destiny. And now, here's your host, Alexandros Megas. Welcome to our 15th episode of Your Mind is Trying to Kill You podcast. I'm your host, Alexandros Megas. And I'm your co-host, Vincent Byrne. And today... You have a glamorous assistant. I have an assistant, yes. Uh, Everybody say hi to Lucifer. I think very appropriate name for a snake. Yeah, especially with that tongue. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what that means. But <laughs> well, just so you can see it. <laughs> yes. So what does that mean when he's when the, the tongue is coming out like that? He's just sensing things. He's uh, That's how he understands his surroundings. Okay. How long have you had him? I've had him for about nine months now. Okay. So here's the thing. Today... I found out that uh, Lucifer had uh, shed his skin for the third time since I got him. And I thought, because I do take my cues from my surroundings, I thought it would be a, a really good topic for us to explore since in actuality, what we do on this podcast is all about shedding our old skin and uh, and opening ourselves up to new becoming and new becoming. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Leave the old behind. <laughs> and what it, what is it what does it mean when when a snake um, when a snake sheds its skin? I mean, how often does it do it? Uh, See, this is the most important question, which you always, without fail, ask, my friend. And thank you for this. Shedding skin for the snake means growth. Okay. It means that the skin, as it is in its current state, cannot accommodate what he's going to become in the next phase. Okay. And so he understands that in order to get to the next level, he needs to shed his skin. He needs to stop becoming, being what he was right up until now and become something else. And how appropriate of a metaphor is that for what it is that we do here? Absolutely. And uh, so in his case, it's he, he effectively out, he outgrows his skin and he doesn't have the capacity to sort of evolve, the, I suppose, the way we do. It's, it's uh, I mean, we're shedding all the time as well on right. a physical level. But, but it's not he, visible, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's much more dramatic, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you know me, you know I love dramatic. Uh, <laughs> dramatic is what the subconscious loves you know the theatricality yeah. of life is what magicians love yeah. uh, and so this is a really good way to showcase what the next step might be yeah so let's uh, let me Put Lucifer into his mansion and uh, 
I'll be right back to discuss the particulars. Okay. Say hi, Lucifer. Goodbye, Lucifer. See you next time. Goodbye. Probably be longer. <laughs> All right. So think of this, which, by the way, in uh, I have to mention, I don't know if that gets too sensitive for certain people, but um, uh, snake skin is an awesome magical metaphor to be conducting a, a ritual with. If okay. You, if you didn't know that. Didn't so, know that. If you need me to, I can send you some pieces. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that you don't have to go out there and buy it. Mm. So what happens during the shedding of skin for these snakes from what I understand, it's like what uh, in human terms called the dark night of the soul. Okay. So this isn't, you know, this is like, you know, journeying on, on ayahuasca and, and going through the hero's journey to get on the other side so you can actually get all the information needed in order to grow to the next level. Uh, that's what I see when it comes to what these guys are doing. The snake does not eat during uh, the shedding skin period. Isn't that interesting? A key fast. Mm -hmm. Now, since he, he has shed three times since I got him, I think he's maybe he's listening to our podcast and, and, <laughs> That's why he's growing so fast. It's growing quickly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, here's the thing. We, and they eat mice, of course. Now, I, I hope people know that. Oh, my God, poor mice. <laughs> well, I tried to feed him vegetarian shit, but he's not interested. No. He doesn't want to be a vegan like yourself. <laughs> Does it mean he's evil? Well, his name is Lucifer anyway, so... <laughs> and uh, so how long does it take to go through it right so it takes several weeks so here's my point okay when i got him i fed him once and i fed him a mouse and uh that was a, the the last time he ate now i've had him for like nine months now he shed three mm -hmm. times in a row and he has refused any food throughout all this period, which mm -hmm. to me, because I pay attention to my surroundings, pay attention mm -hmm. to everything, because everything around us uh, is showing us a level of uh, uh, a consciousness, a level of experience, a level of understanding that uh, we need to pay attention to, as far as I'm concerned, mm. right? Because everything reflects the same kind of reality that we are exuding because as within, so without. So the consciousness that is revealed within me today in this moment is reflecting on everything around me that lives with me. And that is my family, that is my, my dogs, that is my cats, that is my snakes, that is my chickens my turkeys, you know, my goblins. No, I don't have goblins. I, I don't think I have goblins. But um, so so then I look at this and I pay attention to the fact that he's not eating. So he's fasting. Think about that. That is such an interesting concept, wouldn't you think? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's um, like fasting. It's, it's interesting because I'm about to... Um, kick off a 21 day juice fast. I was actually gonna just do a water fast, but I'm gonna do juice fast. And uh, I mean, one of the things that I, I've learned is that um, animals, when they are unwell or they're injured, they don't eat. And they the reason being that they want to allow all of the focus of their in certain internal systems to to work on healing themselves 
rather than divert the attention and the energy to digesting food. Um, so they focus their their energy on what is the most important need at the time. Exactly. And that is, in this case, healing. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's a practice that um, has been carried out for, from ancient times. I mean, it even managed to find its way into religious um, rituals as well. They would say it would it was part of the Bible and whatever, but actually it's been going on long before that stuff. Yeah. And so people, uh, fasting is, is really important to do. And yet we have a stage where, over the last hundred years, we kind of eat all the time just because we can, and the the um, the ability or the the awareness to to fast is something that is um, is not appreciated. It's actually it's probably treated as it's a religious thing, so people reject that unless they're deeply religious. Uh, so I think the rest of us tend to just eat ourselves silly and don't realize that the body needs time to regenerate and to heal. And that's why fasting is so important. So, um, so it's interesting. Animals do it intuitively. That's right. So what you just mentioned has to do with, of course, our conditioning. Mm. We, in today's society, we associate food with i think three things we don't really associate food with growth <laughs> for some reason food is entertainment food has become entertainment mm. it's become a social event and this is why mm. you know restaurants are so uh, popular out there right now we're on lockdown because of um now slowly starting to open up and people are so excited. Oh my God, I can go to a restaurant again because the process of actually preparing your food and the process of actually consuming your food as a source of energy are not concepts that the average human being right now is related to. So, mm -hmm eating becomes once again a, a, something that's visceral something that's uh, about entertainment something that's about mm. uh, it's um what's the word i'm looking for here um hedonistic yeah and it's a superficial practice yes um, as well i mean it's just do it for the sake of it and again it's it given that we've spoken about it um on previous episodes, the way in which advertising teaches us about food and what we need to get from it um, drives a lot of our consumption. So on the one hand, you have the likes of McDonald's who are, you know, <laughs> filling everyone who eats it with nothing but shit. And then on the other side, you have supposedly more thought out more considered advertising where they tell you things like drink milk for healthier bones <laughs> exactly and uh, and and this focus and obsession that we have with protein and and all of this kind of stuff and carbs and it's like people have managed to break it down into messages whereby the first question that I get asked when I say I eat a plant-based diet is where do you get your protein? And I go, well, where do all the animals that, uh, the very large animals that eat um, a plant-based diet get their protein? They make it from what they take in. But the advertising and the conditioning, it, uh, it has us full of these false beliefs about what actually is happening with, with food and what it does. Right. So, well, the, the as as a parenthesis here, the one question to ask is, how long have you been doing this for? Five years. Okay, five years. In those five years, did you sense your system 
being deprived at all do you sense uh, having any less energy there than you did before or uh, have you felt that your health is declining anyway no it significantly improved that was one of the reasons that was the principal reason why i did it was because i didn't want to take prescribed medication uh, and that there was a way of uh, addressing how i'm feeling lack of energy and all that sort of stuff through just changing my diet. So that's what I did. I guess he, there's your answer, right? Right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, but I've had conversations. I mean, I I rarely go to the doctor, but uh I've had a couple of conversations with my GP who who has said to me quite seriously that you won't heal anything with diet other than overweight. <laughs> So when when the doctors are being trained to prescribe to diagnose and prescribe rather than actually look at people's holistic health then and they are preaching the message that um it's nothing got to do with what you put in your mouth the, how your health is then obviously everyone everyone else buys into that as well because that's the message that's been put across and that facilitates the advertising we don't have it here but you you get enough subliminal messages but i know you have it in the states where there's open open advertising of of uh, of drugs basically over here it tends to be the lighter stuff you know the paracetamol and all that sort of stuff but but there's lots of other messages which are coming through which say that you need to get medical help and that means you need to get a prescription drug to fix your problem wait so so then they tell you that your health is not regulated by what you put in your mouth unless what you put in your mouth is this pill right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly right that's it yeah that's awesome so so yes it's it's um back to the fasting thing i mean i think you're um Lucifer obviously operates on a on his own internal system I suppose uh, and that's the one that all animals do and I'm sure if we were left to our own devices that's what we would do as well we would we would be um eating at certain times we would not eat at certain times and we would allow ourselves to get back to a much more um self-regulated way of living uh, which is probably significantly better for our health than what we're doing at the moment. We eat because, as I said, because we can, because it's in the fridge, because it's in the supermarkets, and and all the focus and promotion and all the conditioning is telling us to ignore the the green stuff and the orange stuff and the the stuff you meet as you walk in the door. Just keep going past that and go to the boxed and the canned and the frozen and and all of those stuff because that's what that's what's been advertised to you to to eat so right so shedding skin once again let's go back to what the snake says the snake says that i have to grow and so in order to grow i have to sh shed my skin yeah and let's take it back to although all this information is brilliant as it is on a physical level mm. but since we're talking about conditioning and that same conditioning is what has made us not care about that aspect you know it's all about gluttony and uh, and uh, hedonism it's all about party 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 once again we come down to the same concept that the prevailing thought in today's society is have fun and fuck it yeah because who cares right but mm. it's as as people get inwardly awakened their, their consciousness expanded because everything that's happening uh, currently is creating certain conditions for that shedding of the the proverbial skin, uh, which is 
our prior personality, if you will, our prior beliefs, uh, limiting beliefs, of course. Uh, this now is the time where we have to start understanding that in order to get to point B, if you are point A, you have to be doing things entirely differently than when you were at point A. Because, yeah. right, in order to, and of course, it's not point A because we've all hopefully been evolving since birth. So let's say you're whatever point that you are in your life and you had to completely let go of any prior beliefs, any prior understandings, any prior consciousness of how things are and what things are about and the mission that you have or not have uh, and your destiny and so on. You had to let go of these things in order to be where you are now. And now you will have to do the appropriate shedding of the proverbial metaphorical skin in order to get to the next level, which would be you in an entirely different, improved and extended uh, awareness and consciousness. So you can actually see things from a different perspective. It's like, you know, being myopic, severely myopic, and somebody puts a pair of glasses on you, all of a sudden, right, your entire life changes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you can't unsee it. That's right. Yeah. But there's a, I mean, the thing for me with the, with, um, the idea of shedding the skin, I mean, whether it's shedding a previous behavior or whether it's shedding a previous conditioning, for most people, um, the opportunity exists numerous times in their lives, usually as a result of some event happening, whether it be they're hit with illness or a tragedy or um, some kind of event, which is a kind of a, it stops them. And at that point, there's a there's a choice, and the choice is either to go through this particular issue and be different coming through, having come through it, and and behave differently and think differently as a result of it, or to just try and get through it so that you can get back to the thing that you had before. And I mean, what we're going through in this lockdown with the pandemic thing to me is a kind of a, that's a big picture metaphor for what we could be doing on an individual basis. So there will be people who will come out of this and they will have seized the opportunity to be very different to the way they were when they went in. And then there will probably be sadly the majority who will just be glad that it's over so that they can go back to being the way they were before. Yes. And from a, that's, yeah, that's brilliant. From a, the perspective of uh, the first kind of people that you mentioned, uh, I would say every time my internal um, guide is that when something undesirable or uncomfortable happens it happens because i need to be forced into an understanding that i couldn't get to on my own just by regulating myself sure so when things are going really bad from my perspective they're showing me what i should be doing which I didn't do, and now nature is forcing me to. We are here to grow. This is the only reason why we're here. And this society, uh, I mean, I don't want to call it consumerism society because it sounds cliche, but really, this is what it's all about. It's a hedonistic society. And we all, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that... Is it is it not that um, like consumerism has been effectively used to almost to sedate us, so that 
we we worry about the next pair of shoes or we worry about you know whether we're going to have mcdonald's or burger king or chinese or whatever tonight and it's it's all very short term uh, as you said hedonistic but it's it's a distraction for us thinking for ourselves and making real choices for ourselves both in terms of in the moment to actually is this what i should be eating and should i be taking the time to prepare some fresh food in the same way as I have that decision. The other decision is where am I going with my life? What am I doing with my life? Am I doing something positive with it? And I think all of this, as we said, let's call it the consumerist thing is deflecting us from asking those questions. And that's why I think that when we are hit with a large event, like we have at the moment, that people are just scrambling to get back to the thing that they are used to and are happiest doing, and they don't have to think. It's it's like when I have to think and make choices, it's it's just too difficult. Yeah, and as a yeah, and as a consequence, only a few, relatively speaking, are prepared to see this as an opportunity. The people who, for example, will get an illness like cancer and will say it's the best thing that happened to me because it changed my life it created that opportunity but you get a lot of other people who will say it was the most horrendous thing and i was just glad to be able to get back afterwards so it's it's um to me the all of this superficial stuff the hedonism etc is just us being sedated yeah i agree with you 100 now and since you mentioned the cancer thing that's actually a really good example because I've known I know people that they have survived cancer, yeah. and I know two kinds of people that have survived cancer. the The first kind is the people that are like, "I fought. I've been fighting cancer. I fought it. I fought that mother father. I fought it, and I won." Right. And then there's the other kind of people that understood that cancer was really an angel that came to me to showcase that I had to change my life. Mm. And the second kind of people is the kind of people that will move forward, move forward mm. majorly because once they overcome, because they have learned something, not because they went to war, do you see? Because in this society, mm -hmm. right, anything we don't like, we go to war with. Especially yeah. in the U.S., we're <laughs> we're very we're very familiar with that, right? War on drugs, war on poverty, war on this, war on that. And what happens? I mean, <laughs> what has happened with all these wars, right? It's like war on drugs. Okay, so is it over? Uh, did we win? Of course not, because it's all a state of mind that is there to, to lull us to sleep. Because if someone else is waging war on something that should be a, a, a general uh, individual responsibility, then... We don't have to worry about that because the, the government is taking care of that, you see. Yeah. Government is waging war on drugs. So it's not, it's out of my hands. Now I, I can go and get some beer and do some barbecue. And everything is cool. Mm. See, So the same kind of way of dealing with the cancer, which is exactly the general current understanding of the medical industry industry isn't it funny that we call it an industry yeah <laughs> so this isn't about healing no it's about treating the individual as if the individual was a, a vehicle a car going mm. to the mechanic the mechanic is like oh you're you blew a gasket <laughs> whatever let me fix that for you so this is a major problem because if we don't understand that these things come up to show us, they, they are divine interventions, you see. Mm. 
these problems, the so-called problems, come up because we need to get an understanding which the way we had been going, we wouldn't. Yeah. So your higher self, if you will, if you want to call it that, as far as I'm concerned, the higher self is, is down there and be like, look, this asshole is not going to wake up. It's not going to get, you know, because he's too, he's too distracted. Not to say that, you know, myself included, we're all that asshole. Okay. I'm not pointing fingers and saying that you are there. Mm-hmm. How dare you? No, I'm, we are, we all get so heavily distracted with everyday life because we are thrown hooks all the time. Yeah. Uh, in, in every any every way that we turn, right? We have to just fight some fight, you know. Oh, my internet is down. Uh, <laughs> Netflix isn't working. Uh, my Chinese restaurant is closed. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I have to come up with solutions to bullshit problems that shouldn't be consuming my energy, which is my life force, which mm. again is my magic which is what I'm manifesting with. Yeah. So this system is, I was going to say divined, and perhaps that would be the right word, is divined to create constant confusion, constant fear, and constant fight or flight reflex, root chakra, so that people don't have the capacity to look for the underlying cause of things because all they have to do is just, you know, save their ass now. Oh, I had to escape that trap, you know? So this is what happens. But then again, then again, this ailment, this this ease comes up. And from, in my perspective, you know, I could be entirely wrong, but in my perspective, that thing is there to slow you down, to make you pause so that you can understand what the hell is going on in your life, right? This is a very short timeline. Once hmm. again, what are you here for? What are you here to do? You're here to do something. Is it just screwing around, having a good time, being hedonistic and gluttonous? Maybe if you want that to be your purpose. But it really doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. So. But but the, the, the thing I would suggest on that, and as, as I've said to you before, my own mantra is the I knew nothing until I was 40. I mean, I wasn't consciously doing any of that. I was just doing what I thought I should be doing to live the life that, you know, to live a good life, which was working really hard, stupidly hard, and trying to maintain a lot of things. But not really when I I realized it afterwards. I didn't realize that I had a sense of purpose. I didn't realize that I that I could set a purpose for myself. I didn't realize any of that. And I think this comes back to the conditioning. We are not led to believe that we can set our own course. Like we might, you can choose your, yes, you can. You can pick that career, certainly. You know, that's that's the extent of it. Or you can pick who your life partner is or whatever. But really, that's that's just superficial stuff when you compare it to setting your course, setting your purpose as to why you're here. And I think, again, that's something that we're not taught. It's consciously suppressed because that would have us, all these people wanting to self-actualize if they were told that that was their purpose. And we're not, that's not revealed that that's what we need to do. So, I think that's a lot of the reason behind people being very hedonistic. I think they they don't know what they don't know. And therefore, their behavior um, around trying to find a purpose is to work harder to get that promotion and then work harder to get that promotion and then get the bigger house and 
all of that sort of stuff. And, and at some point they hit a, a brick wall in whatever that looks like. It's their marriage breaks up, their, their, they get an illness, there's a sudden death or near death kind of experience, whatever. And that is what usually brings people to a place of what is this about? And then it depends on how prepared they are to start to look for the answer to that question versus I don't really want to find the answer to that question. I just want to get back to doing what I'm doing. Depends. That's the fork in the road when those situations are presented. Rosa says the fork that, that pitches, <laughs> pinches your ass. Uh, yeah. Chief, you're done. Yeah. Uh, yes. I am. Yeah, of course, you're right. But I'm not, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, I'm not putting an accusatory tone in my voice. Mm -hmm. no, I am not accusing people of living mm -hmm. life uh, hedonistically. Of course, I understand that they don't, they don't know what it is that's happened because they haven't had an opportunity to review their lives in that way. Yeah. And that becomes a problem. So we just, as far as I'm concerned, need to be able to scan our existence mm. on a daily basis. I mean, this is what meditation should really be about, you see. Meditation, mm. like, okay, you take, take inventory. Mm. So it's to become aware like Lucifer is. That's right. Lucifer is aware that it's going to go through this process and it knows that it must do certain things in order to facilitate it. So therefore, knowing that that's happening, it then um, participates in the process. That's right. And, and that's a very conscious thing. And uh, whereas, by contrast, I would suggest that most of us are blindly going around um, caught up with superficial things, um, not having that level of awareness, not knowing what's going on, and that it requires something to pull us back to, to say, hold on, let's meditate. Let's yeah, of course. Contemplate. Look, we if Lucifer the snake has the awareness that he needs to go through a period of solitude, a period of being uncomfortable, a period of being in the darkness, quite literally, actually, because there is a cloth in his mansion mm. <laughs> that he prefers when he goes through these stages. He's not even out because, you know, he, he can see beautiful sunlight in this whole thing, right? So it's not like I have him in a dungeon. So mm. he prefers to actually go and hide. He hides in the darkness. Okay. Because I guess what that shows me intuitively is that you have to be able to go there in order to, to actually take inventory of your own darkness. Because this is the only way you can grow. Because then you find out what the pieces that you don't need are anymore. And in his case, the pieces he doesn't, he doesn't need anymore are pieces of his skin, literal mm -hmm. skin. But for us, it's I think it should be a lot more complex and a lot more rewarding than that. But having lived in a, and grown up in a society that does not reward that inner process. As a matter of fact, it, it vilifies the, that inner process. That inner process becomes some kind of woo bullshit that, I mean, really who has time for that crap, mm. right? Just show me the money. Isn't that the, the prevailing phrase? Yeah. <laughs> show me the money, mother, father. Right, this is what's really going on. And if you grow up like that, I mean, how can you expect 
to have any different kind of perspective unless there's a nagging force from inside of you mm. that is pushing you to understand something different. Yeah. And, and this is what it is that we are advocating on this channel. Uh, the, the fact that you can, everyone is looking for the law of attraction. Everyone is looking for the law of manifestation. But what they manifest or what they want to manifest is a lot of the times irrelevant to their growth. As a matter of fact, a lot of the times it is counter to their growth. Mm. Because once again, if you are trying to manifest based on the same kind of hedonistic and gluttonous uh, general understanding, feeling, approach in life, in your life, then if you were to manifest, what would you manifest? Right? Let's say that, let's say I have to disclaimer that shit every time. It's like I, I am not out to offend anyone, but I'm saying if, if your purpose in life was to eat the most delicious foods ever, okay, let's say this is what your life was about. I am not saying this is wrong. <laughs> I, I'm simply saying if that's what you were about and then you started going through all these laws, that we are or have been uh, presenting here about manifestation, about you know affirmations, about this, about that, in order to attract the reality, the reality that you want mm. in your life. So if if your reality, if your ideal reality is having access to the most <laughs> delicious foods ever created by man, then what would you manifest, right? You'd be manifesting that. More of the same, yeah. And, and then ultimately, how would that help your growth? In the same sense, okay, let me put it another way that more, more people would be able to perhaps... Ended by. Because what's wrong with delicious foods? Delicious foods are awesome. Uh, okay, fine. So let's say that you are a heroin addict and being a heroin addict, I have to believe that no one around can actually claim that being a heroin addict is awesome. Okay, let's just, or crack out, whatever. So let's just admit to ourselves that being a drug addict is not serving you much. So mm. let's say then that this is what you're about. You love the drugs. You love the cocaine. You love the heroin. And therefore, now that you got a glimpse of how to manifest that which you love, you started manifesting a reality that was plentiful of these kinds of drugs that you love so much. Mm. Another parenthesis, I don't want anybody to be like, oh, you know, how dare you? Addicts are not, you know, they don't, you know, want to do that. They have no choice. Fine. I'm just bringing up an example. Yeah. <laughs> this is an example, okay? So I'm saying, assuming, assuming that you loved your drugs, assuming that you loved being an addict, and got a hold of an ancient secret that allowed you to manifest exactly what you wanted. And what you wanted was more of those drugs. Would that help you grow? Would that help your growth? Right? Yeah. So uh, going back to the, the shedding of uh, the skin, um, I you had asked me something about dreams the other day. And it was funny because the two things got combined. I had a good friend of mine who has been going through my course and 
told me that for several nights in a row, he's been having dreams of snakes. And uh, it was horrifying to him. And he says, what does that mean? Of course, the truth of the matter is that the meaning of dreams, which is the subconscious attempting to speak to you, to communicate with you, uh, is personal. It's tailored to the individual. That is to say, I mean, you could say that there's this general symbolism for things. In this case, I'll say, you know, I could, my best guess would be that this guy was having dreams of snakes because he was undergoing the process of shedding his own skin, of transforming into a new person okay. because of the change of his consciousness, the change of his individual awareness. So the dreams were reflecting that. So, uh, yes, the dreams actually are very, extremely important in the esoteric traditions, be it shamanic or magical, or, you know, what, what have you, ancient philosophies and, and practices. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's the case. Did you have another question on that? It was mostly about um, the use of dreams to, I suppose, to get them working for you. The idea that, for example, if you're looking for the answer to a question that if you state the question before you go to sleep, the... Um, the possibility that some kind of answer or prompting could appear when you're asleep or when you wake up the next morning that something comes into your head at that point which could potentially solve the problem or give you the idea you were looking for or whatever so it was really related to the idea of sleep and dreams and and us using them from a positive perspective as distinct from say the subconscious speaking to you in the way it was with your friend um yes so that, that, yeah. well I, I believe that this is a great practice if you start uh train you can start training your subconscious to be revealing uh, in the in the manner that you want to receive answers to your questions and in order to do that yes before you go to sleep start contemplating some you know uh, one of my teachers told me a great way of actually start building that up and that is to envision to visualize something that is entirely out of the ordinary and command in some way uh, your self your subconscious right before you know when you are in this thin kind of line between being awake and being asleep to project that object, that thing into your dreams. When you start actually having a dream with that object in there, that is a really good indication of starting to train the subconscious in that way. And therefore, the more you do that, the more you develop that communication between the two, right. in this case, through dreams, because the communication can happen, you know, in very many ways, of course. So this is one of them. And then, you know, like the, the thing would be like a pink elephant. And uh, when you saw the pink elephant in your dream, then you'd know you'd have confirmation that there is a dialogue going on here. Hmm. So once that's there, it becomes very exciting because now it becomes like a game, right? And, and the more you do that, the more you can walk yourself through uh, actual lucid dreaming, which is dreaming while you are aware of being dreaming and yet your dream is not being interrupted. Right. And lucid dreaming can actually, in the magical world, uh, create and accomplish great results okay and uh, and what if you're like me and uh, you can't actually remember your dreams um and if you wanted to start to try to to remember your dreams what would you do 
once again, command yourself. Uh, when I was a, a kid, I don't know if I mentioned that story to you before, but uh, I had a very terrifying reoccurring dream when I was like five years old. Uh, and this was, it kept on happening, kept on happening. It was based on a very abstract thing. It was like something was pushing me, like some force was taking me out of my bed and some unseen force and compelling me to go in my, when I was living, growing up in Athens, uh, we had balconies there, you see. So it was compelling me to just go all the way across the house and uh, go out into the balcony and then was pushed in some, some sense uh, off the balcony. And I would fall and that right before I hit myself on the ground, I would wake up. So that thing was so disturbing to me that one of the nights when I woke up from it, you know, in cold sweat, I actually said to myself, I remember that, I was five years old. Uh, I said, you will never remember your dreams again. <laughs> and guess what? For a lot of years, that was the case. Reoccurring dreams, stop mm -hmm. entirely. So there is always a reason why these things are happening. And trauma could be one of the reasons. So you start instructing yourself that it's okay to, right before you go to sleep, you're in meditation, it's okay. It's one, you know, this is like reconditioning yourself. It's wonderful to be able to dream. It's awesome mm -hmm. to be able to, to remember all of my dreams. It's great. I'm looking forward to that. So this is an affirmation. So you're preparing yourself. The more you do it, as with everything else, you are giving your subconscious permission to unlock that side onto you and give you access again. Mm. I mean, it's it's there are certainly lots of times when I remember pieces, um, or I'll wake up and aware that I was dreaming. Um, but as other people have described it, where I can almost tell the whole story to you, you know, once they wake up. Um, I can't recall ever being able to do that. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's a good time to start. Yeah. Start. Um, so given that we're, um, we're nearly at an hour again, we've managed to, to do that. And coming back to the original theme of uh, Lucifer's um, skin and shedding it, what are we saying as a kind of a closing message to um, viewers and listeners um, to us this week in terms of the concept of shedding and the need for it in order to move forward? How can, like obviously Lucifer is aware, it's in his nature to do it, so he knows what to do. And I think we've, we've discussed the fact that it's, it's in our nature as well, but somehow we've we've lost connection with it because of conditioning so how do we start to to bring that back so that we can develop that awareness to be conscious of making a decision to move into our next stage of growth well the the best way that i know how to do this is to understand that every uncomfortable step is a step towards that direction and when mm -hmm. i say uncomfortable i don't mean you know start sleeping on a bed of nails. Uh, mm. I mean, the stuff that you know you have to do, like, for example, let's say you hate the fact that you're overweight. Mm. And, of course, the, as we have uh, established many times, most times the subconscious is very lazy and won't go through the steps of reversing a situation unless it feels that there is stuff to, there's reward behind mm. it. There's stuff that it can actually enjoy. So start st taking the steps that you know you have to take. In other words, you know, like the fasting thing that we, we mentioned, 
Mm. But you know, don't do it. Do it as an start doing experiments with yourself. Is what I'm saying. You know, start experimenting. Mm. Saying what's gonna happen if I don't eat for one day? I eat nothing. I just have water mm. or, or juice or you know, juice or something like that, something of that nature. What's going to happen? And in this sense, you can start seeing yourself responding in a certain way. And that way is within the first few, I don't know, like uh, seven, eight hours, your system is going to go into a shock and be like, oh, my God, we're dying. We're dying. <laughs> it's just in the van. I'm going to die. I have to eat. And, and then, you know, if you start disregarding these warnings, you'll see that once you let, you know, relax and let like half an hour go by, you will step into another level of consciousness where your system is not going to be losing its shit anymore because it realized that, oh, you know, that thing didn't work. So, so now, you know, I'm trying to navigate what's happening right now. Oh, what is, what is happening anyway? In the same sense that if you knew you had to, you know, we've all seen those kinds of movies, right? Where the person gets stranded in the woods or, you know, and it's wintertime. And, and uh, what was like, uh, what was that uh, movie with uh, Revenant or something? I, I don't remember. Oh, The Revenant. And Revenant. Yes. Yeah. Where I actually haven't even seen the movie, but I've <laughs> I've seen the trailer, and it suggests that someone steps into a situation where they don't ordinarily expect that they would survive or thrive in it. But then what happens is that some other awareness starts kicking in when it mm. feels like it has to, because mm. otherwise, you know, is the game is over, right? So we allow ourselves to step into uncomfortable situations where otherwise we would think that, oh, that's not good. You know, that's not going to work out. But by stepping in there, you realize that, yes, it is going to work out. And by pushing yourself a little more every mm -hmm. day to <clears throat> that uncomfortable situation, you realize that what you thought your limitations were are not. Like your, your limits are massively more expanded yeah. than you thought that they were. And so you are not going to lose if you keep on stepping forward. And uh, as uh, Jim Morrison stated, just uh, testing the boundaries of reality. Mm. So move, toward, move towards the, the low-level practical stuff you can do is to keep moving towards discomfort. That's yeah. right. Yes. And the more you do that, the more your subconscious gets a, a firm idea that it, not only is it okay to do that, but, oh, you know, I feel like I'm a little more energized now. Or mm. I feel more confident. Now look at me. I'm not a total asshole like I thought I was. I actually have some value. And then, so the more, you know, if you sit down, people are like, oh, I don't, I'm not going to write a journal because I'm horrible at writing. Right? And that ends there. But yeah. what if someone put a gun to your head and said, you know, you can metaphorically put a gun to your head and said, if I don't write a journal entry, whatever that may be, you know, it doesn't have to be an award winning piece. Mm. If I don't write one, I'm going to die. Yeah. This is a certain reconditioning of the mind. Mm. And then you know you can make certain pacts. Actually, the course that I have mentions that. You can make a pact with yourself that says, if I manage to survive 30 days of continuously doing that one thing on a daily basis, yeah. I will be granted the next level, which would be a massive reward. And then, of course, I'm moving on to yet another level. Mm. But if I break that pact, something horrible will happen. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's like, you have to think of it. 
I think of it in in a way that uh, that pact is being made with an ancient god, you know, or a demon or something. You know, they wouldn't take, and they wouldn't be like, oh, okay, fine, don't worry about it, just do, do the next thing. No, there's like no, there is zero uh, mercy here. Mm. If you show no mercy to yourself when it comes to accomplishing something, one thing, then watch what happens next. Mm. So, so what what we're I suppose what we're saying again with in terms of shedding the skin is that every time we step forward into something that's uncomfortable and face it head on, we're effectively letting go of that old skin and we're moving yeah. in, into it. So we're constantly shedding the skin if we are constantly moving towards discomfort and pushing the comfort zone. That's right. Okay. And we make out of, we, as um, the, the Toltecs uh, put it, uh, we make more of the unknown known. Mm. See, as Carl Jung said, unless you make the unconscious conscious, you will spend your life, and I'm paraphrasing, dealing with the same bullshit over and over again and you will call it fate yeah yeah so this is what it is that we're here to do this is our this is so this is soul work mm. because this is what we get to take with us on the way out mm. see that's 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 the operating system but it's also i mean um it, it kind of speaks to um the stuff that Mark Manson in his subtle art of not giving a fuck book uh, says that, you know, the search for happiness is not about, it's not about finding a situation where we're happy and everything is wonderful and, uh, you know, and everything is easy and all that, which is kind of the perception that a lot of people have, you know, if I win the lotto, everything will be easy and that'll be, it'll be fine. And he says, no, it's actually um, being happy. We're at our happiest when we're actually struggling, when we're trying to deal with something that's difficult and we get really happy and satisfied when we've dealt with it, when we've learned that difficult um, you know, language or instrument or overcome the particular problem. We actually get this added boost of um, adrenaline and excitement because we have actually achieved and overcome. And that kind of sets the scene for wanting to do more of that and more of that. But it, it, it often dissipates fairly quickly when we go around the corner and, as he said, we find that other 500 pound pile of shit that we we face and in, and what we need to be doing is embracing that and finding a way around it and know that this is what living and this is what growing is all about yes and to close this that's actually a concept that we should deal with on a subsequent episode the concept of happiness once again in the in neurolinguistic spell, happiness to most people in today's world means joy. Mm. And joy is a constant state of elation, mm. which as far as I'm concerned is some kind of hell. <laughs> but, but I mean, this is what we're all conditioned to want. Right, you ask them, "Hey, are you happy?" You know, if, when someone asks me if, if I'm happy, I don't know what to answer. Because <laughs> you know why? Because I don't know what they're asking. Hmm. Like, oh, I, what do you mean? Are you? Am I in a constant state of joy? No. Am I happy the way I understand happiness is? Yes, absolutely. I think it's a, a, an interpretation which I suppose I I think is out there is that is everything going your way? Is everything easy? Right. Yes. 
and and which was you know, when everything is going your way and is all slotting in and there's no challenges and there's no it's like happiness is the absence of challenge and struggle that's what we're actually striving for when in fact it's the opposite of what we need or as john lennon said happiness is a warm gun <laughs> look where that got him look what it got him indeed <laughs> oh I, on another episode, I'll tell you a story about a true story about what happened when John Lennon went to a Greek psychic uh, back in the day, and that was close to his assassination. It's really okay. So here we are once again, having grossly overstepped yeah. our boundaries of yeah. our time realities because we don't believe in time and space. That's what it is. No, no. And we do believe in pushing back the time comfort zone <laughs> regularly. That's right. So thank you, everyone, who lasted up to this point. And yeah. uh, until next week. Let's be careful out there. And don't let your mind kill you. Thanks for listening to Your Mind is Trying to Kill You with Alexandros Megas and Vincent Byrne. If you like our show and want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, then we would love if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And you'd be doing us a big favor if you would support us by leaving a review as well. It would also be great if you would take a screenshot of this episode on your smartphone and share it on social media. So join us next Wednesday when we talk more about mind hacking and taking back control of your life. Until then, have a great week.